1: The Supreme Court removes harsh restrictions for concealed carry in New York. The plain reading of the Second Amendment shows that American citizens have the right to bear arms as well as to keep them.
2: The Department of Education forgives 200,000 student loans to the tune of $6 billion.
3: If If they made colleges at all accountable for the promises they made to students... That might actually be something.
2: The Biden administration proposes extending Title IX to incorporate trans protections.
3: Title IX has kind of been warped to include biological males.
2: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, June 24th. I'm Mike Scott. In a 6-3 decision, authored by Justice Clarence Thomas... The Supreme Court not only enshrined a constitutional right to carry guns outside the home for self-defense, but has potentially made it far more difficult for states to regulate gun rights. Vice President Kamala Harris says she and President Biden disagree with the court's ruling.
4: Many of us are deeply concerned and troubled by the Supreme Court's ruling today. Um, it, It, I believe, defies common sense and um, the Constitution of the United States.
2: Tom King is president of the plaintiff, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, and says he's relieved and happy with the Supreme Court ruling. The lawful and legal
5: gun owner of New York State is no longer going to be persecuted by laws that uh, have nothing to do with the safety of the people and
2: will do nothing to make the people safer. King says law-abiding gun owners are not responsible for the gun violence in New York State. We are not the problem. The problem is the criminals and the wrongdoers in the state.
5: And the politicians have to learn that. And they have to get off their butt to do something to solve the crime problem in New York State. Not the gun problem because there wouldn't be a gun problem if it wasn't for the crime.
2: New York Governor Kathy Hochul says the nation is still mourning the victims of recent mass shootings.
4: It's particularly painful that this came down at this moment. We are still dealing with families in pain from mass shootings that have occurred. The loss of life, their beloved children and grandchildren.
2: Hochul says that some New Yorkers stand against the ruling.
4: This decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. It's not what New Yorkers want. And we should have the right of determination of what we want to do in terms of our gun laws in our state.
2: The New York governor goes on to say that states have the right to make their own gun laws.
4: Governors have a moral responsibility to do what we can and have laws that protect our citizens because of what is going on, the insanity of the gun culture that has now possessed everyone all the way up to even to the Supreme Court.
2: Professor James Sample of Hofstra Law School joined CBC to discuss the court's ruling. Today
5: the court focuses on the phrase and bear arms uh, to say that there is no basis for New York or the seven states that had laws like New York states that required an individual uh, who wanted to carry a concealed weapon, a concealed handgun, um, to show cause, in essence, to say in advance and get an uh, uh, advance determination by an administrative figure, a government figure, that the individual had a particularized need uh, for that concealed carry permit.
2: Sample goes on to explain, in his opinion, what the ruling's impact will mean for the United States.
5: What this decision means is that the nation, which is already the world leader, for better or for worse, depending on your perspective, in guns per capita, uh, will, ha- will be even more awash in guns. What this means in places that are densely populated, like New York City, like New Jersey, two of the areas that are most directly impacted by today's ruling, is that an individual no longer has to go through preliminary steps in order to carry a concealed handgun.
2: Ed Morrissey, editor at HotAir.com and host of The Ed Morrissey Show, says that the ruling was a victory for plain wording in the Constitution.
1: In a long-awaited Second Amendment ruling, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 that states cannot deny citizens the right to bear arms in public based on arbitrary decisions by bureaucrats on whether they have a need to do so. Clarence Thomas and five other justices made very clear that states can regulate firearms, but only on a rational and consistent basis and without broadly infringing on this enumerated right. The media, of course, responded hysterically to the decision in Bruin. CNN's chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin was perhaps the most egregious, as he claimed that the ruling showed that the court wanted to demolish all regulations. Expect more of these hysterical reactions about this supposedly radical court. This decision will reverberate through the nation. Justice Thomas made it clear... The plain reading of the Second Amendment shows that American citizens have the right to bear arms as well as to keep them. It was a victory for the Second Amendment and for the Constitution.
2: Lithuania's decision to ban the transit of certain goods between Russia and Kalingrad has provoked wrath among top officials in Moscow and even a threat of retaliation against the European nation. Kalingrad shares land borders with two NATO nations, Lithuania and And Poland, but not Russia. Captured from Nazi Germany by the Soviet Red Army in 1945 and later ceded to the Soviet Union, the Russian territory is home to about 500,000 people. CBS reporter Chris Livsay explains the growing tensions between Russia and
6: the NATO nation of Lithuania. What happened is the European Union has put sanctions on uh, a lot of Russian goods. Uh, Lithuania is enforcing those sanctions by not allowing some of this freight to pass through its territory into Kaliningrad, which is this exclave of Russia's between Lithuania and Poland. This has really infuriated uh, Russia and said there are going to be, quote, serious consequences for the people of Lithuania. But Lithuania points out, look, we're just enforcing European laws law right now the european union is completely backing up uh, lithuania and so is nato because lithuania is also a member of nato and and the united states the the state department today said that its relationship with lithuania uh, and its support of nato uh, is ironclad so lithuania is a tiny country it's got fewer than three million people so it's a lot smaller than russia but it's definitely not alone
2: livsay also says that fighting in kharkiv is intensifying in ukraine
6: The regional commander said it's for a couple of reasons. First, because it's all part of their invasion of the Donbass. So where Kharkiv is located in the northeast, if they're able to push through that city, first of all, it's a great trophy because it's the second largest city in Ukraine. Uh, And second of all, it would help them cut off Ukraine's forces that are fighting in the Donbass, which is now Russia's primary objective. The other main reason is, according to President Volodymyr Zelensky, who notes that it's this week that the European Union is deciding on Ukraine's candidacy to join. So uh, Vladimir Putin and his uh, military could be calculating that any disruption in the war or any reason to give other EU members reason to pause could uh, diminish their chances of joining the European Union uh, and leave Ukraine more
2: isolated. Meantime, the United States is sending another $450 million in military aid to Ukraine. And that includes additional medium-range rocket systems to help push back Russian progress in the east. White House National Security spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. will send even more military aid to Ukraine.
7: This package contains weapons and equipment including new high-mobility artillery rocket systems, tens of thousands of additional rounds of ammunition for the artillery systems that have already been provided as well, uh, and patrol boats to help Ukraine defend its coast and its waterways.
2: Kirby says the U.S. military will not get dragged into the war in Ukraine.
7: The president has been crystal clear that there's not going to be U.S. troops fighting in Ukraine. What we are going to do is continue to help Ukraine defend itself. And that's why we just announced yet another package, $450 million today, to help that, to help that be the case.
2: On the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the landmark law may see some expansion. The Biden administration is proposing sweeping changes to Title IX. PBS NewsHour's Ama Nawaz explains the proposed changes to Title IX.
4: Today, the Biden administration proposed new rules for how schools must treat sex discrimination under Title IX. If approved, the regulations would reverse Trump-era rules that limited the scope of sexual assault investigations on campuses. The proposal would also codify protections for transgender students.
2: The proposal would extend the protections of Title IX, which prohibits schools that get federal funds from discriminating on the basis of sex, to transgender students, compelling schools to accommodate and protect them. These protections include permitting them to use bathrooms that align with their gender identity and using their correct pronouns. It would also amend rules that govern how schools, colleges, universities, and elsewhere investigate and resolve claims of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Beth Clausen, the mother of a child who is transgender, says the rule change, in her opinion, is important so her child may not be discriminated against.
3: Title IX is so important to our family, and it's not just for sports. It's so that she um, is not discriminated against um, because of her identity.
2: However, female student-athlete Chelsea Mitchell says Title IX is being dramatically twisted
3: very sad that um, Title IX has kind of been warped to include biological males when it should be protecting biological females.
2: Selena Soule, another female athlete, says it's important for people to play sports, but women's sports should remain for women.
0: Everyone deserves the opportunity to compete. It just needs to be done where it's most fair, and women's sports need to be kept as women's sports.
2: The axe has fallen on e-cigarette maker Juul. The FDA ordered the company to stop selling and distributing its ubiquitous vaping devices in the U.S. on Thursday. A dramatic end for a company that dominated the e-cigarette market and was valued at $38 billion at the top of its game. Daybreak Insiders, Shelling Adler has more on the door finally shutting on Juul.
3: Health officials have ordered vaping company Juul to pull its electronic cigarettes from the U.S. market. It's the biggest blow yet to the embattled company that is widely blamed for sparking a surge in teen vaping. The announcement by the FDA is part of a sweeping regulatory review of e-cigs, which faced little regulation until recently. Since last fall, the FDA had okayed a few e-cigs that account for a very small share of the vaping market. To stay on the shelves, manufacturers must show their products help reduce the harm of smoking for adults, ...without appealing to kids. I'm Shelley Adler.
2: The U.S. Department of Education has agreed to cancel the student loans... ...of around 200,000 people who brought a class-action lawsuit against the government... ...claiming they were stuck with federal debts from schools that were found to have misled them. As a result of the ruling from the lawsuit the Education Department will immediately approve around $6 billion in debt forgiveness. The 200,000 borrowers eligible for the relief will get full cancellation of their debt, refunds of amounts paid, and repair to their credit. Bethany Mandel, editor at Heroes of Liberty and columnist at Fox News, joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss how she managed to pay off her student loans and how she feels now about student loan forgiveness.
3: So then I, you know, repaid my, my loans every month on time um, for 10 years, and the payments were really reasonable. They were mm-hmm. about $150, $200 a month. Yep. And they, meanwhile, they would have been in the eight $900 range had I gone to Northeastern. Yep. And... Um, and you know I, I turned down not one but two dream schools to, to lower my debt I worked 40 hours a week all through college while going to school full time it was physically grueling beyond description and then you know the first ten years out of college are not the most financially comforting of your life. No, never. But right. I still pay my don't Right. I still pay my loans every every month on time. I never once missed a payment.
2: Mandel says that people who take out student loans should take responsibility for their actions.
3: I see these stories about about loan forgiveness. Who like, you? And people. Somebody sent me a message like, "I well, I had no idea the loan." I'm like. If I knew an 18-year-old with no adult supervision or input whatsoever that I could not afford this debt, you have no excuse. Right. Right. I, I just I I don't I don't have sympathy. You took it out and you're profiting from it.
2: Mandel goes on to say that the government is paying people for being irresponsible.
3: You know, if colleges were on the hook for sort of, you know, people should if they if they made colleges at all accountable for the promises they made to students that might actually do something but all they're doing is just paying everyone for their financial irresponsibility.
2: Transitioning to cleaner energy in the midst of an energy crisis here at home the Biden administration is looking for renewable sources of clean energy. On day one in office Mr. Biden canceled the Keystone XL pipeline a week later. He banned new oil and gas leases on federal lands and waters. An energy advisor to the Biden administration says they're looking to accelerate the transition to what they call clean energy.
5: It's a transition and that we need to have the supplies right now, oil and gas, in order to make sure that the economy is functioning. But we also want to make sure that our investments are done in such a way that we can accelerate the transition to a a cleaner
2: world ahead. Daily U.S. oil production dropped from 12.29 million barrels in 2019 to an estimated 11.8 million in 2022, well after demand had rebounded from the pandemic. Mr. Biden blames Vladimir Putin, but prices rose quite a bit before Russia invaded Ukraine. Alex Epstein, author of the new book Fossil Future, joined the Salem radio network to discuss what the Biden administration is getting wrong about renewable energy.
7: But what's, what's basically happened is there's been this mythology, there's sort of two, two ideas behind we should rapidly eliminate fossil fuels. One is they're causing this climate catastrophe that will become an apocalypse. Uh, Number two is that they're rapidly replaceable by so-called renewables, mainly solar and wind. And what we've seen is all these countries have invested huge amounts in these renewables. They've given them huge favoritism, and they've restricted fossil fuel investment, production, and transportation on the lie that these unreliable renewables would replace them, and it's failed. And so now we're short of fossil fuels And we have a global energy crisis. And so the idea that, oh, now it's going to work to rapidly replace them is even delusional people are are not as deluded anymore.
2: Epstein says that people who want to see a rapid shift to electric vehicles haven't thought out the implications.
7: I mean, I think the basic thing that people don't get is that there's no scalable way to replace gasoline cars with EVs, and so you can have some minority of people doing it, but if everyone tries to do it, you're going to run into massive shortages of all the raw materials. We're already having skyrocketing lithium prices at a tiny scale of EVs. So why are they doing this? I think a combination of status, trying to anticipate future government uh, mandates, And um, I think they probably haven't thought through the scalability issue.
2: Epstein explains what is meant by scalability.
7: So scalability issue means how do you produce something at a given price or a lower price on a much larger scale? And one thing that all of these green things have in common is they involve many multiples times more basic elements than we're using today. So lithium is an example where people are talking about we need a hundred, a thousand times more lithium We never have that kind of scaling and keeping the cost low. And we're already seeing with a modest amount of scaling that the cost is going sky high. So whenever you impose a very artificial crash timetable on the market, you get these drastic price increases, which these people are not factoring in.
2: Epstein goes on to say that the idea that fossil fuels could be replaced quickly is, in his opinion, nonsense.
7: This idea that we're going to rapidly replace fossil fuels is not a really thought through idea by people with a real plan. Otherwise they would just compete on the market and perform. It's by people with a deep hostility toward energy, not just fossil fuels, but also nuclear and hydro, who are just looking for a rationalization. So they say, yeah, okay, we'll build solar and wind. Don't worry about us getting rid of fossil fuels. Don't worry about shutting down the pipeline. Don't worry about banning leasing on federal lands because we have this magical solution. And then you look at the details and it's like, you haven't thought this through at all because you're already making electricity more expensive more scarce, less reliable. And then you're massively going to increase the demand based on EVs. So there's no real thinking going on here. It's just rationalizing an agenda of eliminating our mainstream energy use, which is really, I argue, about eliminating human impact on Earth.
2: And finally, the owners of Chipper Truck Cafe are being rewarded with $5,000 from the food delivery service Grubhub for their help in rescuing a young woman who was held captive against her will. Early on Sunday morning in the Bronx, a food order came into the restaurant through the app Grubhub, along with a note that said, Call the police. Alice Bermejo, who owns the business, says that a worker saw the note and called her husband.
4: They seen the note on the order and they called my husband, said, so what should we do? And he was like, call the police.
2: ABC's Sonia Rincon explains how the victim became a hostage.
4: The order came from an address in the East Chester section of the Bronx, where authorities say a 32-year-old man was holding a 24-year-old woman against her will and sexually assaulting her. They'd met in person months after first meeting online, and it turned violent. He wouldn't let her have her phone except to order food. At that hour, her best hope was getting a message to a restaurant three and a half miles away. And the Bermejo family is grateful to the employee who did call the police and explain. But just knowing that like we were there and that being open 24 hours allowed her to have a way to get help.
2: Rincon explains what happened next
4: the suspect opened the door here according to court documents later admitting he thought the young woman's food had arrived but it was the police that suspect identified as 32 year old Kamoy royal is charged with rape and unlawful imprisonment among other counts and he's now also charged in the attempted sexual assault of another young woman days earlier
2: the Bermejo family received a phone call days later from friends of the young woman to thank them for calling police.
4: They called to thank um, us and just to be like, thank you so much for helping my friend and just, you know, making sure that she was fine.
2: Apparently, the money will come in handy. Like most restaurants, things weren't so chipper for the cafe during the pandemic. The restaurant had to let their delivery driver go to cut costs. The 32-year-old suspect is being held on $200,000 bond.